Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. What's up, family? It's your girl, Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we're your hosts of Street Politicians, the place, the place where, where the, the streets, streets and, and politics, politics meet. Wow, there is so, so much happening, my like, I feel like, you know, we're like, like, I don't know. It's like the world is just moving and there's so much stuff happening at one time. When we talked about the COVID precaution, precautions and staying six feet apart, you were saying that a lot of people are sort of just fighting to remain, to have some communication and contact. Like some Almost people are, are just, yeah, like people are fighting to maintain some level of normalcy or whatever is normal. But I was thinking to myself, it's really, we're not, it's not normal. Like we're just not, things are just not normal. And, um, you know, everything I think from politics to uh, what's happening in our communities, our dear sister, Leslie Redman, who's been a guest on Street Politicians. She also um, was the just the immediate past president of the NAACP chapter in Minneapolis, one of the organizers there during George Floyd, even before, before George Floyd was murdered and after, um, you know, with other activities that she has going on now. She has her campaign, Don't Complain, Activate. This is a powerful young sister. She's out there doing the work. And yet her brother, who was in his 30s, was killed just this past weekend. Um, he was shot and killed by someone that more than likely looks just like us. And uh, you have that happening. You have young people being killed. I think we just had another shooting where a child was harmed in New York. Um, you know, you had the school shooting where a young black kid went and shot up um, a school. Some say the kid, wait, wait. the kid in New York was a Bronx, a 10 year old shot a 13 year old in LA. 10 year old. Wow, kid. I didn't even know that. 10 year old kid shot a 13 year old. Wow, a 10 year old shot a 13 year old. Again, you know, just crazy things. And then you had the 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 guy um, who shot people at a school, a young black man 
We don't often hear of major school shootings um, where black kids are the ones uh, shooting up a school, but his family talked about bullying, um, talked about, you know, him being attacked. Uh, so, you know, and of course, there's still no excuse for picking up a gun and taking the lives of a number of individuals, putting people in harm's way, causing that type of trauma. But yet there are some serious things happening in our society around the issues of bullying, the issues of trauma that have to be dealt with. And it's finding the balance between all of these things to still be able to maintain home, maintain home and family and what have you. It's a lot happening. It's a whole lot happening. Then you got um, John Gruden, who was the um, the Los Angeles Raiders head coach, who's they found these emails from years ago, from about 2018, before 2018, of him just saying racist and homophobic and just like every level of white supremacy, he just possessed it. It wasn't, wow. he, didn't, he wasn't just mad at black people. He didn't like gay people. He didn't like, he didn't like nobody. <laughs> everything. He, he had an issue with everything. That's you know? usually how white supremacists are. Yeah, that's usually how it works. So, you know, that, that's been something gotta, that came up with. be like me and eat your CBD candies. That's what I do. This is my CBD candies. I found this. I was riding and I was like, stop. There's a store that has CBD candies. And this is what I eat during my day. Keep my nerves together. This is supposed yeah. to be, this is legal, you know. Candy. Okay. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like a crazy person? It is, it is. You know, that's what you got. Look at me. Eating CBDs. Lord have mercy. Get you some CBDs. Don't, don't fall asleep now. Don't get now, It doesn't make you go to sleep. It takes the edge off. The edge off. You see? And it's supposed to be better than having a midday drink, which I am not above. But I'm working. So I don't want to have a drink. So I pulled out my candies with my CBD in it. Okay. You know, you got to get you some stuff. You know, I'm going to get you some CBD candies. Let you see. Probably not. You never in your life smoke weed. One time. One time. Oh, that's right. You tell the story is when you was with DMX and you yeah. had a trip. You was tripping. Everybody has a trip like the first time they smoke weed. Yeah. And that was that. But then you was like, I never want to go back to it. No, it wasn't for me. Why? You just didn't like the feeling or you didn't like the fact that I didn't like none of it. that experience. I didn't like it. It wasn't for me. But the thing is, you have been around marijuana in closed spaces. So you probably have felt high in the, after that. Yeah, I have. Like, you know, the time we was in the studio and we had infused <laughs> chicken. <laughs> that did happen to us. And, then, and you know, <laughs> my eyelids felt like it weighed 200 pounds and I was moving slow <laughs> and lethargic. And I'm like, nah, this ain't for me. But there's some people that just smoke weed all day, yeah. night. And I don't I know friends how they do it all day. Day. Friends. They can't wait. <laughs> You'll never catch them not smoking. <laughs> that is so true. I forgot about that story. But anyway, that's for another day. We have to have the people who were a part of that to be a part of the conversation so it will not be like we're it's scandalous when we tell it by ourselves. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so I so I was thinking, I was thinking.
how did it, how does the Democratic Party intend to win midterm elections without voting rights? You know, I'm confused. I don't think I don't think the the Democratic Party intends to win anything. No, they no. they intend. Whether no. or not they will is something different, but they intend. You gotta be. You can. You can. <laughs> they can't be. No way. It's good. There's no way that they expect those good old people that they went out and voted, that they didn't promise things, that they ain't got nothing else. The people that saved their life, there's no way they expect those good old people to go you out. It's not like you had CBD candy. What? Now, you you want, they know them good old people ain't going back out there to vote again after this. They, now they know, come on now. They're going to have to pull another tr- rabbit out the hat for this one. Because you... But I'm saying that voting rights specifically, let's just say I get your point, right? I get your point from our perspective. It's almost impossible to believe. It's actually disrespectful. It's actually disrespectful to even to even to even not just assume, but to request or demand of people that they vote. Right. That they vote for um, anyone who has not fulfilled any of the promises that were made, right? So that I agree with. I agree with you 100% on that. But I'm speaking of something different. I'm saying, because what happens is, even when you say, I'm not engaging myself in this election, I don't believe, I don't trust, right? We have that position and that's okay. But the thing is, then you have to start listening to the people who are running against these folks and when you start listening to them and understanding their agenda, it may encourage a lot of people to say, you know what, I'm going to the polls, right? I'm going to the polls. Now, I'm not saying everyone, and I'm certainly not talking about Ray Rays and Keisha's and others, but I'm saying there are, there is a, there, there is a, 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 a there are a group Listen, of people. People want to kill me, man. I know I that. Death, I'm, I'm death to it. I, I agree with you. Me too. I'm under attack about it all the time. And I still would make the same decision if I had to do it all over again. But I'm not even, I'm speaking of something even different. I'm saying there are some folks in our society that when approached and they are listening just because you're watching the news or you're at church or you're reading the paper, or you're in your community. When you hear the other side of what you may be looking at, and you're listening to someone who absolutely wants to take away your right to to have an abortion, so your right to choose, and or they wanna open more prisons, or, you know, they want to, um, I don't know, you know, they they wanna close more schools, or, you know, take more funding from communities in order to invest more in punitive measures and support police, and, uh, you know, they bleed the blue. When you hear that rhetoric and that tone, right, it may encourage you to say, I don't think that these other folks is worth the damn either, but I know I have to block this individual from becoming whatever it's senator or whatever they're voting for in their community. What I'm speaking of is now you're on your way to go vote and you find out that your vote is actually being suppressed by way of the laws in that particular state. 
Just, just forget it. I'm saying the everything, that alone. everything. They could have done it all right and this and that. I'm talking about voting rights. It's going to the vote. The people that want to vote that still believe and say, you know what, I'm going to vote. And they get there and realize they can't. The name has been purged. They need this, you know, their ID has to be updated. They're, you know, they've been voting, knowing that you got elderly people who have been voting for years with one little letter misspelled on their identification versus their voting record. Because when we were coming out of enslavement and our, we never had the appropriate records, a lot of people have continued through life with things that's not 100% accurate, but it's, it's Mama Mavesley's information. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so to, to have this, this, this situation where it seems like people are fumbling and our the administration and others are fumbling on fighting as hard as hell to get voting rights accomplished. I'm trying to figure out when you already failing at all at getting the policy in place and then you're not even giving people who might just still want to be with you the ability to go to the polls like you, they, they, they can't be they planning can't. on winning anything. They don't plan on winning. I'm trying to tell you, they don't have any plan on winning. They just, go, at, at this point, it's like it's just going through the motions. And it's disappointing because, you know, you want, as somebody who wants things to be good, you want things to be right, you, you know, you actually pray on it and all that. You want to believe that there is some side or some individual's that are empowered to some certain degree that actually want to do right, you know, that want to do that are willing to do whatever necessary to do right. So I'm not saying I don't I don't believe they don't want to do it. I think they're not what they haven't come to the stage in the mind frame of that they have to do what's ever necessary to do right. Mm-hmm. Not doing right is just not an option. I'm not gonna allow you to delay justice and delay things that are right. We, I, I have to do whatever it is within my power to make things right. You know, and that's even though we hope for that, that's not what we are. So, you know, if, if people can't even go to the polls and then the people that ain't never going to the polls and, and the people on the opposite got, side got people going to the polls and they reinvigorate. Going to the polls. You know, they don't care. They going for you, champ. They, they going to the polls for their own agenda. Yep. And their agenda is either they're going to get some things that they want done that oppress the the communities or just stop that community from being able to progress in any way. They can't get gain any more ground into, um, you know, sort of uh, uh, breaking down systems of oppression. And so they vote for different reasons. They vote because you might be somebody who maybe you're not as radically conservative um, as I want you to be, but I at least know that you're not going to support a progressive agenda. That's right. So, we have people that are on both sides that think similarly, but I think the, the, the issue with us as Black people at this point is that we are no longer in a position to just, like, we've already stopped some yeah, of we the- We can't just keep kicking, you know? We just, right. we're not- <laughs> The shuck and the drive, kiki, and go along to get along, that shit is over. So, you know, we're just in a different space. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, 
and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future. Building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests. But with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know, we've, we've got like a really, really dope show today. Two amazing guests that are going to take us deeper. You know, I'm all about going deeper and getting deeper into like who I am and where I need to be and lining up all of the, aligning all of what is going on inside. There's a lot happening with all of us. And we've already talked about um, at the beginning of the show, just the, the stresses and the pressures and just how life is just not what what has been considered normal. And I guess even what was normal should not have been accepted as normal. So we're going to be learning from two people today, really, really learning. Um, And so we're right off of the heels of International Mental Health Awareness Day, just this past Sunday. uh, And and our... hmm? That's a lot. I didn't even know they had something like that. They do. They have a month. They have a day. There's a lot of stuff, you know. You know, you got to be learned. That's why we're about to learn. I'm here to learn. We're going to learn from our two guests today, Anita Kopach and also Sintiche Franchella. I I love her name. I can't wait for us to talk These people got dope names. I hope they got the dope energy because I need some, I need to get my my mind right. Well, we're going to bring Anita into the studio, if you will and find out what type of dope energy she has right now. That's how we own it! So, so we have a new friend 
on street politicians today. Um, we we always joke about the fact that all of um, the guests that we have come up here doing such powerful work, our friends, people we know, um, people who we admire. And this sister is someone who I absolutely admire and have been watching her. And, you know, we've all introduced one another to some really incredible people. My son, you introduced me to Charlemagne some time ago. And now Charlemagne has introduced us to this wonderful woman who is who is our guest, um, Anita Kopach who is a spiritual psychologist and a sex therapist. And you know, I'm all about that. I'm getting ready to like get all into the details. Uh, she also just uh, published her best-selling book, Shallow Waters. And we are sort of like siblings under the Black Privilege Publishing brand um, with Charlemagne the God as our, I guess he's like the boss man. I tell him he's boss all the time. Um, and she also also just finished a real uh, deep mental health weekend, a spiritual, um, a mental health awareness conference that Charlemagne just held. And so there's a lot going on with Anita. And I'm so, so grateful that you took a little bit of time to come on Street Politicians and talk to my son and us and me today. It is such a deep honor for me to be here with both of you. The work that you do for our community, I'm tearing up now. <laughs> you can tell I'm already emotional. The work that you do for our community is so important. And uh, it is just such an honor for me to be sitting here right now. I just love the feng shui. Of the <laughs> just, it's just, it just gives you healing vibes. Like you can just tell like everything, your hair, it goes with the, the 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 um comforter and the wall it just looks, everything is just beautiful man we appreciate you thank you thank for you. having having us on our show thank you for having <laughs> us <laughs> like you got them like all twisted around but that's all good you know I I just want to drop this little note in to say that before you and I ever laid eyes on one another we were already supporting one another's books um and just supporting and by sharing content and and being there to say, hey, sis, you know, love to you. And so this idea that people need relationships that span over years in order to support one another, I think we've debunked that just by already having a sisterhood from a distance. And, you know, and so that's what makes today incredible. And I have, you know, been listening and reading and you know, really deeply um, uh, paying attention to you and your spiritual advice and support. And I already see why Charlemagne and, and folks like Angela Rye and others um, are attracted to you. And so tell us a little bit about the work that you do and why you do it. Absolutely. So um, I, you know, first of all, I always share this first. I believe that the Black woman is God. And so mm -hmm. I do everything that I can to um, bow to Black women and to support Black women and to support those who are supporting Black women. <laughs> and so that is already um, just a part of my mission. I was the editor-in-chief of Heart and Soul for five years. And mm -hmm. so Within that, I was able to get a lot of information uh, disseminated out into our communities 
about um, different ways of getting health and uh, wellness into our hands. And what I do as a spiritual psychologist and um, a certified Tantra coach, sex therapist, uh, I work with people, mostly people who have experienced sexual trauma. And the interesting thing with sexual trauma, especially within our community, is that uh, pretty much everyone is touched by it. Because if Mm -hmm. you haven't experienced it, your mom has, or your grandmother has, or your great grandmother has, or your father has, you know, like there's, it's, it's very prevalent in our communities. And what happens is that trauma can be passed down through the generations, which we all know this. And, and so sometimes you can be walking around with the, um, with the symptoms of having been raped or molested, but you're like, wait, I haven't been molested. Like, why am I feeling this way? Why can't I connect? And it's because it's happened somewhere down the line. And so with the work that I do, I do a lot to try to normalize the healing of it, the speaking of it, especially for men. I've talked to Charlemagne about this as well. Um, that that you know one in six men have been molested between the ages of one and 18 zero and 18 mm. and um and that's reported you know most people are not reporting that shit right mm. you know um I forgot to ask if I'm able to shit. we say shit damn <laughs> every, every we curse word we say yeah, we cuss here we cuss <laughs> <laughs> It I'm makes, home. I'm home. Sound good. It gets the you know gets the point across exactly. <laughs> and so, and it's one in three. So it's one in three for women. And mm-hmm. so it's it's very prevalent in our communities. And in well, that's actually not even just our community. That's for everyone. Okay. Well, I was sitting here. When do you? When did you notice? Because this is not like a. To me, right, when I'm listening to you and the understanding that you have, to, I don't think this is something that you just go to school to study. I think there's like a calling, it's a feeling like when you call yourself a healer and all this, like when did you feel like this was something that you were supposed to be doing? Yes. So uh, when I was around 18, I started uh, hearing voices, right? Mm-hmm. And what most people would say is like, oh, she's crazy, <laughs> you know, like go to, uh, you know, like I would have to go to a, an institution, but what, what happened was that, um, I started listening to what the voices were saying and when I would hear them. And my thing, I was actually just sharing this at the mental wealth, um, expo with Charlemagne. I was sharing that, Um, I feel like black privilege to me means that we have the access to the voice of God. And, and a lot of times we think we're going crazy because all of this information is coming to us and we don't know what to do with it. And so for me, when I was 18, I start, I start hearing these voices the voices I was hearing, it was not the voice of God. These were, 
<laughs> these were not not good voices that I was hearing. And so what I realized was that when I would walk by people, the voice would get louder and then I'd pass and the voice would go away. And so I'm like, wait, am I hearing what people are saying or are thinking? And so I started asking them. I was 18. I didn't have very much discernment. And so what would happen was that people would get freaked out because I would tell them what they were thinking. And they were like, how did you know? And this one, the last person that I did it to um, was this older man. And he's like talking to me and smiling. And I, all I could hear was, I don't know where my wife and kids are. And I was like, look, I know you don't know where your wife and kids are. And he grabbed me up and he was like, where are they? What do you mean? You know, like, like I was feeling like I was going to be attacked. Mm -hmm. And so I, I like ran home, I ran upstairs and I just started praying to God. I was like, listen, if this is supposed to be a gift, I don't want it. I can't handle it. And, um, just if there's something that, that you feel like I might be able to handle, show me how to do that, but please take these voices away. Wow. And, and so I woke up, those voices were gone. And then I had this dream that I was like throwing rocks and reading them for people, which back that's more than 20 years ago. So there wasn't really very many people doing those type of things around. So I didn't know who to ask. So I just started doing it. And so that's how it started. I started giving readings to people. And what I realized is that I didn't know what tools to give them to continue on their healing journey. And they were getting addicted to reading. Mm. Mm. And they would come back and, you know, like, so it was, I was just like, okay, so that's when I decided to get my master's in spiritual psychology. And what did your family members say? So, okay. So I I was raised in the church. So I was super scared once I realized I could um, (laughs) see the future and those type of things. I was like, oh no. So I, you know, I asked my mom, I was like, mom, you know, like, am I a demon? (laughs) Right. Right. And she was like, anything that comes out of you is God. Mm. And for her to say that to me, being a church woman, I was just like, because that was actually probably one of the the scariest person to come out to as a, you know, as a psychic, as a healer. And uh, my mom, when she said that, I was like, I don't care what anyone else thinks. My mom knows I'm divine, you know? Wow. 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 She supported you. She supported right me. away. But were there other folks around who were like either you're, were you labeled as crazy or were you always, were, were people just clear in your family and your close friends that this is really a gift? So, so it, with my close friends, they, they were, were very clear that it was a gift it was mo- the people who would label me as, and, and what I heard, it wasn't necessarily crazy. They just were like, they did, they called me a demon. Cause they were like, how could you know this? And this was people who would come to me for advice. And then I would tell them something that they wouldn't think anybody would know. And they would just say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, it, it, it's, you know, the work you do 
<laughs> you both do, it's, it like comes from a place where you have to do it. Mm-hmm. No matter, it doesn't matter what the fuck anyone is saying. You know, it's like, I still have to wake up and do it. And that's what would happen is like, it didn't matter what anyone was saying, even though I was so young, it was like, okay, I just have to, because it's, it's, it's a call. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. You know, just listening to you, I've always felt like I had like certain, like you said, like when I do this, doing this work, I didn't feel like it was a choice. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just felt ever since a kid, I always felt like I had to help people. I always felt like Mm -hmm. I had to be the the one that stood up against the bullies. I had like, oh, so you just, as you grow, you realize that certain things just lead you to your calling. Mm -hmm. So just thinking about, is that what, I haven't read your book and I'm just so, like, I have to read it now. Like, I'm just so enamored. Like, I definitely have to get this book. So what, what is the book based on? What is it? Yes. So the book is actually about Yemeya and Yemeya or Yemoja. She is a goddess in the Yoruba pantheon of gods and goddesses. She's a black mermaid mm. from Nigeria. And uh, around that same time when I was 18, I learned that Yemeya was the goddess that watched over our ancestors as they went over the middle passage. So there was a black mermaid that watched over. That's what, that's what is said. They watched, she watched over us as we went over the middle passage and watched over the souls that um, were either thrown overboard or decided to jump overboard. So when I learned of that, I was like, okay, (laughs) who is this Who is this goddess and why don't we all know who she is? And so the first time Charlemagne read the book, you know, he loved it. And he was like telling me about it. And I was like, well, you, you know who Yemeya is, right? And he was like, oh, the the main character of your book. I was like, no, no, no. (laughs) She's, She's a, she's a goddess. And he was like, I've never heard of her. And I was like, I bet you have. I was like, have you, uh, do you remember? Do you remember the poem from Love Jones? Mm. He straight up like he knew the poem by heart. He starts saying the poem, right? And then he goes, are you Yemeya? Hell no, you must be Oshun, right? Like he was like, oh my gosh, I've been saying her name. Like, no, what we were saying. No idea what what I was talking about. And then, and then, you know, Beyonce came out with uh, Black Parades and her baby sister, Repin Yemeya. So it's like, she's, she has been here this whole time. I mean, she has been here. The first written accounts of Yemeya, Yemoja, were um, in, it's, I believe the 1500s or 1400s when, um, when the, the first enslaved Africans came over. Mm -hmm. But the information was passed down orally before. So we don't even know how old, how long, right. how okay. long these parables have been around. Mm-hmm. And the representation of mermaids, we know are like white, redhead, blonde, yeah. you know, like that's what we, we, and it's all about like, I don't know, sensuality more than it exactly. is spirituality. Yes. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, so when the story started coming through, um, so to your question about 
about the, you know, the healing that's in it. Mm -hmm. I wrote, so, so there's words that are written, but the intention behind it all is, um, so this is my uh, love letter to black women. And it is so that we remember who we really are. We were cut off from our African spirituality, from our mother tongue, from all of these things as daughters and sons of the diaspora. But we, if we quiet ourselves and go inside, we have that connection because we are the ancestors. We are literally made from that. And so this book is my activation of that. And for me, it was my healing of my ancestral wounds um, from chattel slavery. And um, it was it was intense. You've written a book, Tamika, you know. <laughs> you know the process. And so has my son. And it's you insanity. Have? It's insanity. He, he's actually writing another one right now. Oh, so it's, you know, the process, like it's, it is an emotional process. It's emotional. It let you know you're crazy because you're like, who came up with this idea? And, and, and it takes on so many different shapes and forms and you find yourself, I know that you are probably just like we are perfectionists, like wanting to get it right wanting to make sure that the information you're putting in the world is real and true and true and true, which is a (laughs) different thing because now you've got to decide between what's the old, you know, the folk tale that we tell in a family to make a point versus what is true um, that will actually, you know, will, 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 will not just sound good, but will like be good you know, like for the soul. And so that's a whole, it's a, it's a lot that goes into writing. And I suggest that people do it because it disciplines you. You know, it also uh, gives you an opportunity to learn and see yourself coming to life within this document. And yeah. so there's so much about it, but it definitely is for insane people. Jamel Hill told me one day, people who write books are crazy. I said, oh, is that me? Because I've been trying That's to figure right. out what is it? <laughs> That's right. That's no, it right. is a level of insanity. And, I, you know, just being being a musician and writing music is sort of always like writing a book, right? Because it's always when you write albums and you write songs, is is from self-reflection. It's ideas that you come up and you want them to be perfect. Like I find myself in the studio. So writing a book is is just a longer, elongated process of writing music. Like right. So I go in the studio and mm. I put down lyrics, and then I'm like, this don't sound right. I got to change this a little bit. And I don't like this beat. Let me put this ad lib here, and you until it just sounds all the way perfect. And then you still have critiques and you like, all right, well, let me just, I just got to get rid of it because people be like, look, you got to put this out by now. You know, yeah, exactly. 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 So, the, yeah. The, the one, the thing about music that's really amazing is that it's, it's one of the, the avenues or I would say channels that connect us to the divine, right? Like we can literally use music to connect us to the divine. And so I like, have so much respect for anybody who knows how to do that i i music for me is to dance to like i can dance to it i can't sing or (laughs) (laughs) dance to it well speaking of dancing i would say the other thing about finishing a book 
finishing the project because people probably listen to us talk about all of the emotional, you know, ins and outs. And they're like, well, why the hell would I want to do it? But I would say that the finishing product is like a beautiful orgasm. That's the way I saw finishing my book. I was like, yes. oh, this is amazing. Yes. <laughs> Why did I have a whole bunch of breakdowns? Talking to the sex therapist, I'm over here giving my truth. That's right. Well, well, that brings us to the next. So you you said that um, you know, you deal with sexual trauma. And I have this question that I've been wanting to ask somebody for a long time. Would you say? And this may be on a small scale, but let me just go with me for a second. Okay. Would you say that the denial of truth within sex is a part of, is a trauma, a form of trauma? I'll explain to you what I mean. Many women don't really experience sexual pleasure, right? A lot of women, and I'm well beyond that now in my life, and you know, in my life at this stage, but I know a lot of women who lie their way through because they have been told that their only responsibility or their only, um, their role is to please. Don't worry about being pleased. And therefore you have to lie, fake, do whatever to just get the man through it and to give yourself, but never to actually receive the pleasure and the desire that you also, or be able to reach your desires and and what have you. And I wonder, is that something that we've passed down? Is it all communities? Is it something black women learned? Like, what is that? Because to me, it feels like trauma when I hear so many women say, and I also have done it, you know, say, you know, we're, we're, we're faking it through just to be able to get the man off and let him get, get away from me, basically. Yeah. That's colonized sexuality for Mm -hmm. sure. Because, uh, there, you know, if you think of Tantra and even ancient Egyptian Tantra, that, um, it's pleasure is for both. Right. And Tantra is actually, uh, means the balance between the masculine and the feminine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it, you know, it means like the different sexual positions, but that's what the meaning is, is the the balance between that. And when you, when you study Tantra, you first work with yourself. Mm-hmm. So I, I work with women to be able to find pleasure themselves and you are so absolutely right. I mean, there there were so many women that I talked to who had never even experienced an orgasm, whether it was with themselves or with a man and, or with another woman or whatever, you know, their their preferences. And and so it's it has absolutely been passed down from uh, I would say any any patriarchal society. It has been, you know, like we have been there to please the man. And there there definitely are a lot of people like waking up to it. But there was just last week, there was this whole TikTok thing that went down that was like this guy had asked women, what does sex feel like? 
And all of their answers were like, oh, it's like the itch that you can't scratch. Like all these things that sex is horrible to women. And we are literally here to experience pleasure. Mm. Like that is what we are here for. And most of us run away from it. Most of my life, I ran away from it. I, you know, the reason I'm, I'm even in this work is because when I was seven, I was molested. And so most of my adult life, I was scared of pleasure because for me, my experience as a child was that it was very pleasurable. And the last time that it happened, I had asked the man to do it to me. And so I, in my head, made it my fault. Mm. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like I like this and, you know, like I can't tell anyone and like I'm asking for it now. And like, it was just this whole confusing thing. And a part of my healing was to really look at a picture of my seven-year-old self and I'm a baby. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, okay, you know, I was so young. This was not my fault, you know? And even though we know that when we've gone through it, it's hard to make that separation because I am Anita, right? Like I still feel like Anita and, um, but like to actually look and be like, oh yeah, I was a baby. I was a baby Mm. and this wasn't my fault. And that is a part of why, um, sexual crimes are so nuanced because even, even someone who is raped and they're like, oh, but you got wet. Your body is going to make you wet to protect you. Mm. Mm. Doesn't mean you're turned on all the time. And so it's just such a nuanced. um, Wow. It is. It's very nuanced. Just listening to it. So that's, that's trauma. A lot of the, do you deal with men, a lot of men, or more? You probably deal with more men, or what do you think you? I I deal with more women, but I've I've um, worked with a few men, and uh, it's it's it. I feel like for men, they have a whole nother thing having to deal with society, and I think the work that Charlemagne is doing with the Mental Wealth Alliance and um, normalizing emotions, you know, hugging. It it was, there was this powerful moment at the end of the, the men and um, mental health panel where all the men came together and gave each other a group hug. And it was just so powerful to see that because as, as the divine feminine is rising, we're learning what the divine masculine is because all of us, men and women have been, I would say, victim to the, the, uh, the toxic masculinity. Mm. And so it's really beautiful to see people who are ready to step into that, right? Like step into those roles. And as we learn, and as we talk about it, sharing it, because when we share I mean, I know you both know this because you're always sharing. <laughs> no, but I'm being educated. Yeah, I'm learning. Yeah. But as we as we share and as we heal, we heal so many people with us. So so when I 
when I heal my issues with um, sexual molestation and I actually say it and speak on it, right? And say things like at this, at this one event, I spoke about how, you know, my experience was pleasurable. And this woman walked up to me and she was like, if someone held a gun up to my head and set, asked me to admit that when I was a child, that my experience of sexual molestation was pleasurable, I still would have said no. She's mm. like, the fact that you said that, and that was her experience, but she was like, I would never admit to that. And I was actually only able to say that because when I was 10 years old, I was watching Oprah and she said that. Mm. And I remember I hadn't told anybody what had happened to me yet. And so when Oprah said it, my whole body started sweating. I was like, oh, everyone's going to know she's talking about me, mm. you know. But what that moment did for me was like, oh, if Oprah can go through that and still be on this stage and still be such a support to everyone. Right. I can keep going. I can do this. My son, you go ahead first and then I'll- No, no, I was just sitting here thinking, you know, there's so many different layers. You know, there's, there's levels of molestation that men have dealt with, like young boys that we've dealt with, and we never, we never considered it as being molested, right? And- so when you when you got you, lucky, your teacher, you fucked your teacher. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. So right. when you have when you, when you when you have these conversations and you admitting like, okay, we actually liked it, and that's why, and I think that was the the part of that differentiated which y'all which y'all described as being molested as well and what we described right because we we felt like exactly like you said we got lucky we scored with an older woman I was twelve and thirteen and she was like twenty one. Exactly. Well, I was eight and nine and she was like 18, 19. Yep. So those things for us was things that we bragged about and we talked about amongst each other and that we never didn't think that it affected us. But we became so hypersexual, you know, after those things, like sex became like so focused in our mind that we didn't even realize that the trauma that that the trauma that came from that mm -hmm. because that's every every relationship and everything became about sex it was that was the at the forefront of everything yep. you know, we never really realized those things so just listening to that and, and you and you able to because i've always i've like i've never i never heard that interview that oprah did so this was the first time that i've ever heard somebody admit a woman admit that when they were being molested at a young age, that they actually enjoyed it and they wanted it. And they, I never, you know, that was never really something that I've actually ever heard. Yeah. So that was just enlightening just to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so let me see here now. What I, I just want to ask one question. This is okay. going to be a debate because me and Tamika have this conversation all the time. Is there such thing as toxic femininity? Heck yeah. Okay. Well, okay. well, people. A lot of people don't seem to believe that that's. But a thing. I, I don't. I never disagree with you that I think that it does exist. I, but I've never I'm heard. I've I, never heard it explained. Well, or, you well, know, we, and I had a theory because. So let me just break down my theory that me and Tamika had this theory, right? And, and and I know you're probably not going to agree with me. So let me just <laughs> give that before I say it. So I believe that masculinity and femininity 
in itself can't be toxic. In my, in just my right. I think, oh, I think that for me, that when someone masculinity is perfect and femininity is perfect, I think that there's an excess of something else mm. that comes into you that that's toxic, right? I think in men, right? For me, is what I, what I realize is energy between men and women have a combined energy. There's a there's a masculine and a femininity in both of us. Yes. I think the toxicity is when the opposite is more dominant. Mm. Right? I think for me, when I see when I watch a lot of men that I feel are toxic, and it's not being it's not being disrespectful, or I watch women that I feel are toxic, I think they exhibit more male traits than they do women traits. Mm. When I see a lot of men that I think are toxic, I think they exhibit more women traits than they do men traits. Okay. That's just, a, that's a, a observation that I've had. So I don't think either, to me, I don't think either one of those can be toxic masculinity or femininity. I just think it's the opposite. I think when I see men doing things, I say that's more toxic femininity to me. And when I see women doing things, I say that's more toxic masculinity to me. But the debate comes for me, and this is what my son and I always talk about, is my, I believe it is his um, unconscious desire to associate negativity with the female side in a man, rather than to take responsibility for the fact that some men are just toxic as fuck, period, mm -hmm. right? But instead to be able to say, well, now that's because you got too much feminine energy and that feminine shit is whack. Like that's what I'm trying to say. I'm saying that you may not feel that you're saying that. No, I'm what I'm saying trying to say is the reason why that can't, to, in my opinion, is that I'm saying the same thing on the other side about no, women. I'm not saying, I'm not saying. So I'm not saying, and I'm saying, if I watch a woman and I feel like has too much masculine energy and it's coming off, I'd be like, you're doing too much masculine shit and that but, shit is whack. But, but what I'm saying is that there are people who exist in the world, right? There can be a woman who's extremely feminine and she just argues all the time and just wants to fight every day and, you know, doesn't trust and can't believe. How does that just get associated with the man? Like, I don't, that that's just... Some well, toxic think, shit about the woman. And I'm not saying it's toxic femininity because I'm not an expert in this area. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that I wouldn't sit here and say, this chick is just toxic. Every time she comes around, she's starting problems, gossiping. You know, uh, I'm just thinking of things that people automatically classify with women, you know, right, right. gossiping, going back and forth between people, starting stuff. And therefore, there's fights that's happening or she's, you know, whatever, whatever those things are. I'm not going to sit there and say, well, that's because she's got more male traits. Right. She just might be dealing with some toxic feminine shit. Yeah. You know? So think, go ahead. Go ahead. I think what 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 just like came up for me from what you both were saying, um, you know, uh, my son, am I saying your name right? My You're son? saying it perfect. And that's my beautiful. That okay. usually doesn't happen. <laughs> awesome. When you said you don't believe that um, masculinity and femininity can be toxic, that actually made sense to me because when you think about um, any element in the world, water, fire, right? Even spirit. 
we can't really say that they're toxic. It's either, right, like water, we can drink it and it can be life for us, but it can also drown us, right? And so, or fire, it can warm us or burn us, right? And so this is actually the first time that I'm thinking about it in this way. So maybe you're right that there is not a such thing as um, masculinity or femininity being toxic, but there are people who are super out of balance. And, um, you know, I mean, there, there are women who are, are amazing women who are very masculine. So I don't know if it's, if it's in that way, but, um, it's, I feel like they're just not connected to spirit. Yeah. I think it's all in how you use it. And I, I hate that we have to actually wrap up, but, um, but I do think it's all. I know in we chose, this was supposed to be like a two hour special, man. We <laughs> I know it has to be, has to be. We have so many folks that we've got to bring back on our show. Um, and you certainly have joined that crowd of, of those who have to come back so we can dig deeper into things because there's a lot that, you know, I think you, that most of us have been afraid to approach that you are headfirst in. Diving in like a mermaid. Yeah, you're (laughs) diving in like a mermaid. And and I I understand that it's time for us to bring our communities along. We've been in survival mode for so long that we haven't even been able to get to the development of so many elements of ourselves that can make us a stronger community. And, 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 And that's not in any... Um, that's not any fault of our own, but it's what white supremacy does, it is. Um, you know, and, it and is. what it is and what it is. And mm-hmm. so I just, Anita, first of all, I just want to say thank you because your time is super valuable, super thank valuable. Um, you know, you probably said, well, no, I'd you know, love to be, yeah, I understand, but I you, should, I love to be here. <laughs> you should either be resting, reading, working, laughing, healing, the sun, healing your own issues and needs. Um, But I want to thank you for what you're putting out in the world. And I'm so glad that the stars and moons and all the things align that would bring you into our lives so that we can ask these safe questions of, you know, what is toxic femininity, masculinity? Does it exist? What does it mean? Because that's a real soft, or a real vulnerable discussion, if you will, within our communities that we're trying to work out because I think this idea of toxicity in general has been used to divide us and to separate us rather than us figuring it out so we can come closer together. I appreciate you, my son, for bringing that up today. Yes, I appreciate you for, you know, always debating and always being, you know, we, we don't usually agree a lot, you know. We just, you know, what I'm saying we 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 disagree on a lot of things. But we agree on principle. We agree on our mission, and we're aligned in that. So, you know, it's it's a dope it's dope even being able to converse about these things. But you, Anita, are amazing. Your energy. Soon as I came on, I was like, this is some some energy is here, man. Like, you know, it's um. Celestial energy, man, you know, (laughs) so I I appreciate you continue to do what you do. I got to get that book now because I got to get in tune. Shallow water. Go get the book if you haven't got it because I'm going to get it. Yes, go get it. Uh, This is my publishing published 
sibling from Black Privilege Publishing. Shout out to Charlemagne the God for bringing us together. Anita Kopach, thank you for being with us. And we are definitely going to have you back. Yes, ma'am. Awesome. Peace out, sis. Thank you. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wow. <laughs> like, wow. Like, Anita is just amazing. Like, as soon as she came on the screen, the whole, like, you could just feel that some people are just born to do things, mm-hmm. you know? And just listening to her story, you can just tell that this is her calling. This is her purpose. You just feel comfortable just having a conversation with her. You feel like she, everything she says is right. Like, you just shaking your head. Like, you find yourself just engulfed in what yeah. she's doing yeah. so that, like, that's amazing so i i, I don't even know high if, energy high yes energy. very high energy man it's just it just illuminates mm-hmm. if Sintache is anywhere near needed and we're gonna probably have one of our best shows ever you know so i'm looking forward to what's going on with Sintache. that's how we own it so off of the heels of Mental Health Awareness Day, 1010, which was just this past Sunday, um, and we know that Charlemagne the God hosted a uh, Mental Health Awareness Weekend. 
There are many people, including our last guest, Anita Kopet, who were a part of the activities that uh, were held during this weekend. And I think um, we all agree that it is time for Black folks particularly to really dig into our mental health and, and spiritual wellness. And so we have been joined by another guest today, uh, someone who we're just sort of getting acquainted with and getting to learn more about what she is doing in New York, in the country, and of course, in the world. Sentiche uh, Francella is her name. She has such a beautiful name. And we're so happy to have on Street Politicians this bold sister, who is a yoga instructor and coach and the founder of the first Black-owned yoga studio in Queens. She, she also has a new initiative called the Man-Child Project. And we're about to learn so much about what Sentiche does every single day in the space of mental health, healing, and awareness. Thank you so much for being with us today, sis. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. So grateful. Thank you. Yes, man. That name. See, you know, I'm I'm a stigler for names because being my name being my son, I didn't always love my name. Like people mm -hmm. always messed it up. I used to get in fights. They called me my son and all type of stuff. So I want I want to ask you that first. Like, did you always just love your name? Because it's a, it's a dope name now as an adult it's when you listen amazing. to it. Amazing. Like, have you always thought it was amazing? Okay. I hated it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So first of all, I remember I have this distinct memory of sitting outside the bathroom door. My mother um, was a nurse and she was in the bathroom. She had just come from work. I'll never forget it. And I was like, mommy, tell me again how to spell my name. Mm. And, and she was in the bathroom and I'm outside the door and she was like, S and I'm, I'm writing it. And I distinctly remember it. And she would always say, and the accent on the E. So I appreciate your story because even though folks may say it right, oftentimes they spell it wrong. Oh. So same, like, you know, seeing your name and it's like, but that's not my name, you know? Um, and that's a whole and other thing. Spelling well, properly. Yes, yes. Well, let me tell you my name story. My name is Tamika. And in the projects, everybody's name was Tamika. <laughs> so I was like, Mom, you went and named me the blackest name you could come up with until I read in a book with African names that it actually means a princess, an African princess. So we all have a story around these okay. names. Yes, yeah. Yes. Tamika, princess, queen, all that. I never even know that. Okay, you got a little history yeah. with it. But it's still, it's still hood. It's still Tamika. One hundred. So, so tell us about, tell us about what it is that you do. Like, what is your expertise? What are you comfortable? Explain, break it down to us. So, in the beginning. Um, in the beginning, I was an educator. I started as a classroom principal, became a dean, worked my way up assistant principal, then was an AP in the city, and then came to the suburbs and thought I landed, right? Like I had the parking spot, I had the six figures, and I was good, right? Like I got tenure, you know what I mean? Okay. And then I got diagnosed with PTSD. And, and I knew what it was. It was me walking around in this abnormal world not being able to process my shit, you know, you, you know, the, between the school shootings and going back into my building and then there's lunch, right? Like you hold that, right? Wow. Um, That's deep. Yeah. That's deep. That's deep. I mean, that, that requires a moment. Like I almost 
burst out in tears just now because that is such a truth for our young people that you can be in the morning time with your friend today, maybe two, and then another day the friend is gone, there's a shooting, something happened, and the school system just goes right on back to normal. Or, or the school shooting is in Connecticut. Yes. You have teachers running to your office saying, I have to go. There was a shooting at my kid's school. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, and I thought, well, I'm not in New York City anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, verdicts are happening all over the world, right? And I'm supposed to act like leaving my son at the bus stop is normal. Mm-hmm. And it was one day um, where he was at the bus stop and I parked like up, up the hill and I just watched him because I was afraid. And, and he got on the bus and I went to work. I didn't think I was gonna cry. And I was like, this shit is not normal. We're not supposed to live like this. You know, I don't wanna talk about progress reports. You know what I mean? I wanna know, is my son gonna come home on that fucking school bus today? That's right. And so, you know, all of that fueled my PTSD. And, and finally, after my father transitioned, I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this no more. I'm not gonna kill myself taking care of other people's kids. I can't even feel safe about my own life, let alone my son. And I left to end. I opened up a yoga studio in South Queens. And it was, as my understanding, I, little did I know at the time, the first black owned yoga studio in South Jamaica, Queens, which was it's my old stomping ground. That's where I grew up. And so I opened up the yoga studio, then the studio transitioned, and then COVID happened. And then mm-hmm. it's like, the fuck? <laughs> you, know what I mean? like, you know what I mean? Like, well, now what do I do? I have no pension. <laughs> I have no tenure. And, and everything stopped. And, and then everything hit me. You know, like I was having physical reactions to all the stress that I have been carrying, all the stress we all have been carrying individually and collectively. And then I was just like, I have to do something or I'm going to lose it. And I struggled with, I'm a mom, uh, my son is now 19, and I struggled with the story that I felt was the in-between. The in-between between so much tragedy and struggle and success and excellence. And being an educator, you know, my kids came back, I'm like, yo, miss, I took the stuff, you know, the sanitation test and I got the job. Or, you know, I went into law enforcement or I'm going into the military. Oh, I got married, these are my kids, you know, and, and now I'm doing this thing and I'm doing that thing. And all of these seemingly ordinary stories that were untold. And I just wanted my son to be able to scroll through the internet and see ordinary greatness which is really extraordinary shit, you know what I mean? And, I, and it wasn't there. So I was like, I'm gonna do it. So I called some friends and I was just like, let's just do this man-child project. And it was called the man-child project because that's what he was when he was born. His name is Judah. He came out with a two fists, you know what I mean? And I was like, okay, he's the man-child. And that's what we did. And, and we just reached out to a couple of friends and was like, yo, just share your excellent story. Like if it's ordinary, it's extraordinary. Mm. Like, what are you here? Like, are you kidding me? You brushed your teeth today? You winning, my nigga. <laughs> you That's know right. what I mean? That's right. You wash your ass? 100%. Because it bees like that sometimes. And I really wanted to just create space to just celebrate that and see it regularly. You know what I mean? Like, I had this vision, like, when you, when you looked up hashtag 
black excellence. Like all you saw was like a million black men, like motherfuckers who just have to just fucking put the phone down because they couldn't stop scrolling. You know what I mean? Like that shit. That's what I wanted. Wow. Wow. That's dope. Just celebrating a black man for being a black man. No, no particular accolades, just being black and alive. Yeah. And, and thinking about life and thinking about not thinking about life. Like you here, like, what is your story, sir? Thank you so much for sharing. What are your dreams, sir? Thank you so much for sharing. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's a lot to process. I mean, you know, I'm a daughter of a black man. My, um, I have black brothers. I have, you know, my black uncles. Um, I've worked with many black men, and then I have a black son. And of course, I've had uh, black men as my partners. And I, I feel like. My whole life is about Black men. A lot of people don't think that. You know, there are people who just because I dare to speak to the power of Black women and or talk about our issues and, of course, to uh, speak about what Black men do to harm us because we are harmed oftentimes by the people who are closest to us, it makes folks say, oh, you know, you're, you're a male basher. But the truth is, I spend probably 80% of my life focused on the needs of Black men because I believe that the strength of the Black man is the strength of our families. Um, And so listening to what you're saying, I feel like that's exactly what we need to be doing more of, which is to pour into Black men because there are not enough spaces where Black men are not just celebrated, but that they can just be themselves without having to put on for the world. There's not enough spaces. And if I could just, you know, make an offering to that comment, you know, part of the mental health piece, especially, let me make an I statement, the struggle that I had that I was also working through is that the both are true, right? Mm-hmm. Like I am a daddy's girl, was a daddy's girl, you know what I mean? And love my father beyond words. There are no utterances, you know what I mean? That's right. And he was profoundly abusive. Mm. Both were true, you know what I mean? And, and I would want him a part of the project. I would want to have shared his story, him to share his story. Because oftentimes that's the struggle, like thinking that it has to be one or the other. You know what I mean? Like, brother, I can celebrate you and you can go heal that shit. <laughs> you know, you can celebrate me and I'm gonna go heal that shit. Right. And, and not waiting for this point of arrival before, before I celebrate them, before we celebrate them. Because the moment is now. The moment is now. Got, yeah, I got so this. This one of episodes that y'all got me here thinking too much. I don't be needing to think this much, but it's a lot, you know. Just listening, you know, I, I've been watching Charlemagne along this mental health thing. He's been very intentional about it. He's somebody that I, you know, I respect and, and I see as a good friend. So I listen to it. But today, just listening to my black sisters just talk about it in a different light is just it tapped in. A little more, you know. So, what do you think we need to do to close this wellness gap? What is like? What is the wellness gap to you? What is it? So, the Healing Station was created to really bridge the gap between what we know and what we think we know, and then what else is out there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're not from here. 
Like that's really the premise. We not from here. This is not our native tongue. <laughs> we not wearing our native clothes. We don't have our native smells. And there is a genuine energetic disconnect. We unoccupied territory. All of that shit impacts our nervous system. It mm-hmm. really, really does, right? And so the healer station is about honoring indigenous black culture, people of culture, right? Honoring that. And then closing the wellness gap by sharing information through trainings, through workshops about what it is our people actually did. So we look at what what some may call alternative medicine or alternative forms of treatment, but we take that shit back. It's not alternative. It's actually quite natural. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's an option, right? Yeah. So you yeah. want to take Prozac, but guess what? You could use a piece of pyrite. You know what I mean? Like you want to hold your crystal to get your peace? You could do that. You could take a tablet. You could walk barefoot. You could go for a hike. You know what I mean? You can go see that psychiatrist. But really giving access and information to persons of color, to persons of culture, so that we can heal ourselves. You know, and then the other piece is offering scholarship, whether it's for the different trainings that we offer or different trainings within the wellness community so that people of color can have those careers. Right. Like a rolfer. I don't know. Do you guys have you ever heard what rolfing about rolfing? No, no, so, yeah, no. Teach us. So rolfing, learn on street politicians. Rolf, it's amazing. So rolfing is an energy uh, an, uh, energy working. Right. So you heard of um, acupuncture. Of course. Right. So it's it's not similar, but just bro- pull back a little bit. And you're talking about energy and how energy moves through the body. Mm-hmm. And rolfing helps move energy through the body by by pressing into the deeper tissues, into the fascia. And literally, literally, you can heal trauma out of the body. Literally, mm-hmm. you wake up different. Rolfers make anywhere between 175 to 350 for an hour to a 90 minute session. Wow. What would a Rolf, what would a training look like from a brother that got released or a sister that got released where they could go through that six month, nine month training and take that shit right back into their community and have their own wellness set. Do you see what I'm saying? That's that shit. Because the wellness industry is our industry because we're paying other people to get ourselves well. Well, why don't we just go ahead and flood the fucking shit, (laughs) heal our own selves and in our own communities? Talk about this. You said you could use Prozac or you could use something else. Pyrite. Give it again, please. Pyrite. So it's pyrite, pyrite. like a piece of crystal. It's it, it, it it's um it's like um it used to be called it's also called fool's gold. And mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's just a crystal. I mean, crystals, you know, um amethyst and rose um rose quartz and clear quartz, all of those crystals have energy and in some wellness spaces, right? That is an available tool to use as well. And so when we talk about wellness, it's really about what do you want to prescribe for yourself? Like that's my work when I have my private practice. You know, I'm not here to tell you what to do. We're here to co-create your user's manual and you figure out what works for you. And that's what we put in together. And so that your wellness is your own. This is your toolkit. And and you, and you do the work and you heal your own self because we can, we really, really can. Wow. You're all about, well, you said co-creating a toolkit. Uh, so there may be someone who feels they need a tablet, but there are right. others who may feel like I don't want to put those things into my body. And therefore, there may be other ways to go about helping to 
stabilize, um, you know, your mind. Like, so for instance, with me, being on a plane can be very, very, very stressful. Mm -hmm. I, um, at one point in my life, was a, a, a serious pill popper and I had addiction issues, um, you know, went to rehab, did a lot. And so I want to get to the point that I, I take as little pills as possible, which is the way that I was actually raised. Mm-hmm. Um, and so listen, hearing you say that there may be other things that I can do other than having to take a pill at the onset of a flight to help deal with my anxiety issues, that's so powerful. But I can imagine that there are Black folks that don't have access to these conversations 100%. and don't have access to medication. And they're just like all over the place 100%. and we call them crazy. 100%. And you could do a breath work in your chair on a yoga mat for 10 minutes and reset your whole nervous system, like the whole thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. they say breathing. Yeah. Right? But this, it's technique, right? And, but, but we can do it. And that's what the healing station does. You know, we just, we just teach folk, like, here's the information. Here's where you could get more information on the information, mm-hmm. right? Which is also the other thing, right? Like building our own knowledge, right? So it's not because Sin said, it's because you experienced it. It's because, you know, that sister experienced it or that brother experienced it. And that's how we each one pull one. And that what Alice Walker said? Each one pull one? That was her, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So can, can you just, what, what are conductors? Oh, so I'm a New Yorker um, and the, I felt like a big girl when my mom let me take the train uptown for the first time. Right. And, um, you know, first generation Jamaican, Jamaican parents don't let you go nowhere. So the fact that my mom's let me go on the train by myself and then let me go to Harlem, I was winning. You're doing a lot. What? So, you know, just just the New York City transit system, all of it is just magic to me because I never understood it. Right. I took the F train to the E train and that was it. You know what I mean? And I always thought that the transit system was confusing to me. And so that's what kind of inspired the, the, even the logo, just letting wellness be a simple stop. Just come mm-hmm. to the wellness station and get what you need. And so the conductors was really, of course, um, inspired by Harriet Tubman, because I do live on a path on the Underground Railroad. So she is always, uh, always with me. And it just felt appropriate because it's project-based. So as a conductor, you come, you help lead the project, you get it to where it needs to go. And if it's something that you want to continue to work on, you have that space to do so. And if it's not, it's all good. But it gives people space to come in, to serve, to leave, um, because we're energetic beings and nothing is supposed to be forever. You know, and, um, you know, this project might be medicine for some people and they want to step away. And so conductors have the space to kind of work until they feel nourished and then do what they need to do. Well, you certainly are a change maker. We have a segment um, every week where we talk to people who are making a difference in our society. And everything that I hear you saying is is all about change making um, and specifically for our people and our culture. So how do you, how can people help you to do more of what you're doing and and to to really broaden even your reach within our community, especially to our young people? And of course, again, looking at the idea of specifically targeting our men. Great question. Well, I think the best way folks can support the work is is twofold. One, there is always donations, right? 
um, going to the healing station ny.org and making a donation so that we can increase our scholarship program. We um, started our first. Wait, well, let's go back. So the healing the healing station, the healing station, ny.org. Okay. The healing station, ny.org. Thank you. Um, so there's donations so that we can increase our scholarship program. Um, the vision was to always have one in and one out. So meaning one, um, one full paid person and then a full scholarship person. Um, and we did that. We have six cohort members for our trauma-informed BIPOC yoga teacher training. And um, women from all over the country are doing a trauma-informed yogic approach so that they can hold space for their own bodies and hold space for the community um, when they do this work. And also um, copying us, modeling us, like start your own man-child project, start your own teacher training, start your own movement training, um, start your own healing circles. Like just, you, you like the idea, then go ahead and do that too. <laughs> Wow. You know, um, it's like the direct sales of healing, you know, like steal it all, <laughs> you know, take it. It's, it's there for the healing um, because that's the only way that we're going to heal when we do it ourselves and when we do it in community. Mm. Like that. I see you muted. Well, I, I just want to say, you know, we really want to thank you for the work you do and and the way you make it plain, like, you know, what I'm saying you're relatable. Yes. Like, I, yes. That's what I love about. I love about everything. I love about us as black people. Like we able to break some, cause I've heard a lot of Europeans talk about mental health and I've never really felt connected, but just listening to you talk is, it sounds like somebody that's from my block, wow. you know, and breaking it down to me and making me feel like yeah, this is for us. This is something that we need to be involved in. We don't have to lose our culture. We don't have to be stiff. We can be, have, the same hip hop culture. We can talk like we want to talk, look like we want to look. We can have dope names that nobody can pronounce when we're young. Yep, and dope names at three degrees. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and we can just be dope, man. And, and we, can, we can be fabulous and brilliant at the same time. So and I just want to say thank you. And heal. We are. We are fabulous. We are healed. We are dope. We are all those things. Ashe, Ashe, Ashe. Shay, thank, so you thank you so much, Santa Shay, for being do. with us today. We appreciate you for all that you've imparted on us. And certainly you are a friend as street politicians. Anything that we can do to be of assistance to you, this is your home. I appreciate thank you. Thank you so much. Many blessings. Thank you. Blessings. Many blessings. That's how we own it. Look, these interviews were so amazing today. Like I've learned so much. And, and the thing about it, it was two completely different personalities and energies, but they both gave you that feeling like you wanted to talk to them. Mm. Um, you know what I'm saying? You both, you wanted to talk to Anita was just amazing. Her whole energy just, she seemed like a healer. Like she seemed like she was actually literally born to do this work. Just, just everything about her and the way she just communicated, just make you feel comfortable talking to her. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I found myself being like, like we could, that maybe she could help to process some of the confusion and concerns that we have about just the world. Well, like, I like Anita. I really do. I she do too. And I like Sensei too. Sensei oh, is dope. Sensei because she dope. just sound like the girl from the block. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. knew all the stuff. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> she was able to break it down to you and like, oh, okay, that's what they were saying. She knew all this stuff. She knew all this stuff and she just broke it down to you. And she 
and she brought it back to the hood and gave it to the hood the way that they can receive it. You know, yeah. so there's so many different entry points and all of them, you know, serve a real purpose, man. And that brings me to with black people, you know, we have we need lots of different ways lots. to capture our attention when you start talking about healing, because we run away from that. Other communities and particularly the white community, white society, if you will, um, they really have adopted the idea of self-care and healing. And it's not something that black people uh, have been taught. And, and or and I guess the stigma of it is is on us, but we're starting to break it down. You're starting to hear more men talking about going to therapy, and I think you know to your point, the work that Charlemagne is doing today, it seems like okay, this is something cool. He's our friend, and it's cool. But later in life, he's going to have deep Deepak Chopra sort of. Um, uh, 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 what do you call it? Um, there'll be people that will remember him. Recognition, yes. Recognition—that's the word. Well, he'll be—he's going to be one of the. Um, he's going to be one of the um, innovators of mental health for mental our culture. That's you, right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So yes, and that brings me to our. So it's, I had like a a two prong. I don't get it because that was one of it that I just don't get why and how. We've allowed ourselves to separate from mental health for so long, to not acknowledge mental awareness, mental health mental awareness, awareness right. mental health, just not acknowledge that we actually deal like we we of all people should know that we're dealing with mental health issues, right? Because all of the things that we've dealt with throughout history, there's no way that we can be a hundred percent sane. Right. It's impossible, impossible, you know, and just listening, just over the last few months, I've been taking the time to just assess myself, you know, just listening and, and then saying, damn, I never even knew that was trauma. I never even knew that I just felt I had to be strong. I had to go through it. It's, you know, I'm good. I'm always good. And I never really identified with just what I went through in prison, what I went through in solitary confinement, what I went through the process to get to prison, what I went through coming home from prison, trying to, you know, rebuild life. It's so many different. This is my childhood, the things I went through in my family, just understanding those things now and saying, damn, I really have to have some level of mental health issues. And, you know, and that was one of the things like how I just don't get how we've we've allowed ourselves to not understand that for so long and i'm glad that we get into where it's becoming something that you know is um focused upon in our communities and in our culture right now but i really just was really confused like damn we should have been got this you know and then the second thing was something that you said you know and it's and it's a thing and 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 i also and, and it goes along with the same theme i don't get how we've allowed ourselves as black men and black women to be divided by our enemy, right? There are people who focus on certain things and, not, and diff different things. It's not even different things. Like how are we allowing the fact that a black woman wants to speak up about black women issues, make men feel like it threatens our existence? 
right? And, and, and vice versa sometimes. So it goes both ways. I don't even understand how those things are even a problem, right? Like, I don't even understand how we can't see that, yo, we, we are dealing with the same exact problems. We're dealing with the same struggles. We're in the same communities, dealing with everything alike. How are we allowing ourselves to be divided by the same things that's tearing each and us apart individually. Mm-hmm. How do we don't see that those are things that we need to unify around? How do we don't see that well, a black woman sees that something is harming her, something is detrimental to her, and she speaks up about it, that our job as black men is to make sure that that right there, that she's safe in that space, right? And, and vice versa. When black men say, yeah, we feel this way, why do why is there this level of just like tug of war? You know, I just really don't get it. You know what? I think it's it's for another show, right? To talk about the depth of all of the things that we are experiencing. I think it is it's this show in its of itself is not um we need many different types of people to help us understand the backlash, if you will, and sort of like the residue of of being enslaved and what that has done to our people, our communities, our minds, our culture, um, our relationship between the man and woman. None of this that you're expressing is um, by chance. All of it is a part of a design because mm-hmm. if we are mentally whole, if we have a sense of stability, if we have unity in terms of our understanding of, um, of, 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 of what has happened to us and where we need to go and how we need to operate in order to go forward, if we can stop and listen to one another and respect our individual issues and then the collective need for work and reconciliation, if we can do all of that, we would be the most powerful, uh, I want to say entity, perhaps being Black is an entity, a thing um, in our society. And there are forces that know it. They know it. And that's why our music, um, you know, it, it, it keeps the, the, the things that celebrated about our music are things that keeps us dumbed down. Um, you know, our schools, the way that we're educated, the way that our communities are designed, it's been done that way because there is a force that understands the power of this thing that's on our skin, this melanin, this, this, this color, um, that other people do not have. And so, you know, it is, it, it's always, for me, fascinating when we try to hone in and, and begin to focus on our differences, not from a place of difference, but from a place of love. So I think that's why. But it takes people who are bold, like Anita, like Sintiche, to step out and say, I'm going to start the process, no matter whether, you know, when, when you hear Anita saying, 
I knew I heard voices and my mother affirmed me rather than made me feel guilty or negative. Wow, like what that would be like for so many young black girls and boys who have a talent that their parents feed it rather than tear it apart because they don't understand it. That's what I think. That's an amazing thought. And I, mm-hmm. I share those sentiments, which is rare. You know, we usually don't agree. <laughs> we do agree a lot more than we don't. Not more than we don't. Lately. You know, lately, lately. Lately. But at one point, you know, I guess the process. it's so and much I, bullshit we're dealing with. You also, we you know, we're dealing. But I, I think I think also we've agreed that there are certain things that we should just not even deal with. So therefore, we don't have those issues. We don't agree. We find the shit we agree on and we leave the rest of the shit alone. <laughs> and with that said, we come to another. And with that said, we've come to the end of another show. Thank you all for making us the number one show in the world. We appreciate it. Street yeah. politicians. It makes me it laugh, is, but it's better. it better be real. It's real because we, we ain't, listen, we ain't taking nothing else. We're moving into our second season on the Black Effect Network. So we want to thank y'all for continuing to support us. If you have any ideas for shows, if you want to tell us off, if you hate us, you love us. Make don't sure tell me if you hate us. me. I got enough. No, of I, that. Listen, I need it. The hate is fuel. Yeah, I don't need it. Please. I have enough of it. Listen, fuel. I need the fuel. So just let us know. You can follow us on Instagram at Street Politicians Pod. You on our YouTube page? Make sure that you go to Our Woman TV to watch the show. You can find us on the Black Effect Network or anywhere else where you want to hear your favorite podcast. So, with that said, I'm not gonna always be right. Tamika's not gonna always be wrong, but we will both always be authentic. Always, always, always. Peace. Peace. Listen to Street Politicians on the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio. Catch us every single Wednesday for the video version of Street Politicians on iWomen.tv. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. Got my PrevNA 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. 
lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.